0: The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are talking top Packer storylines before training camp. Three takes about the Brewers and Mets game tonight, which was absolutely brutal. And the Wisconsin Shotsky, it's back. We will go through three smaller topics at the very end of the show to wrap up on Wednesday. You know what you gotta do. You gotta follow us on social media. I've been telling you guys this. I tell you guys this every... It's probably a broken record just probably where you skip the podcast look i get it people skip podcasts all the time when ads come up we're not cool enough to be, have ads if you want to sponsor us feel free reach out uh, we'll be happy to promote your shit. i really don't care what it is uh, and if you want to drop us a little coin as well uh again wouldn't wouldn't hate that idea but yes we're on social media tabbing the keg on twitter tabbing the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook as well. I don't do a ton on the book, but we are there. Uh, and then make sure that you are subscribed. If you're not, uh, why not? I don't understand. Uh, if you've shared this with your friends, I appreciate that. If you haven't, that is your job for this week, to share tabbing the Cag to at least a couple people or your social media network. Really easy to do. If you go on Spotify, I'm not a big Spotify podcast user. Hand up. But if you go to Spotify and you hit the share button, you can go right to your Instagram story, share our content, and then people can play it right from your stories. We'd appreciate that. And tag us too, please, and let us know. Um, definitely want to try to get as interactive as possible. Um, so that would be a great way to help us out. All right, let's talk about top Packer storylines before training camp. So OTAs have wrapped up. Uh, it doesn't. We The Packers are going to be Hitting a sort of down period before training camp starts. Now that I'm sure there will be things here and there throughout the summer. It's kind of like soccer, right? There's always games going on. Like I was stunned that there was actually a US soccer game today, which was an atrocity of a field, but we don't want to derail right away at this, you know, first two minutes of the podcast. We don't want to go off the rails to start. But the Packers will be sort of in a lull. There will be not a ton of Packer topics that will be humming in, humming in and there will be new topics every day. I think last year was sort of a special year because you had all of the Aaron Rodgers drama. You could talk about that as sort of the second tier topic to all of the Bucks stuff that was going on. And I've talked about this with Mitch on I think last week's having the Keg, but like the Bucks carried us for sports takes until right at training camp. And then Aaron Rodgers just went complete napalm on everybody. And then that started a whole other thing for the basically the month of August. And we had all of this content ready and waiting for us. We don't have that this year. (laughs) This year is a lot different. We have a pathetic baseball team we'll get to later. We have a Bucks team that has to make some really big decisions in the next couple of weeks that will give us a little bit of content and there will be Packer topics because people cannot help themselves to talk about the Packers. People always wanna talk about the Packers. Even when the Packers have been basically eliminated from the playoffs or they just won the Super Bowl, people still wanna fucking talk about the Packers even a week or a month out from that. And that's why I'm talking about the Packers because I know you guys care about it. So I'm predicting what storylines will start to bubble as we get closer and closer to training camp, I have five of them for you. Number one is I think it's going to be the Packer defense. I think the Packer defense is a little bit underrated. We talked about storylines for the summer and I said it was an underrated headline. Then I heard Mina Kimes, I think yesterday or the day prior on NFL Live say the Packers have the second best defense in all of the NFL. And I think you're gonna see more and more smart NFL people talk about how good the Packer defense is going to be this season, and I think they're absolutely right. I've said it on this podcast, I've said it with Mitch, I've said it to just friends on the street or having drinks. Like this Packer defense is going to be fucking nasty. We need a name for it. I th- that's on me. I have the concept. I have a great shirt idea for something with Aaron Rodgers. I can't tell you. I I truly think it's a breakthrough shirt for us. I'm not. I'm uh, no bullshit at all. I have to get ahead of it. I can't let you know guys like Cheesehead TV or Dakota Mitchell, who's Dakota does a great job. Uh, Comanche, oh, I forget his name of his place now. He's gonna probably kill me if he listens to this. But Dakota does great work. Um, so does Aaron, Aaron, and those guys. But seriously, like I have a a plus T-shirt idea, but we need one for the defense. The defense needs to have a name, and I don't necessarily know what it is yet. And maybe that's a podcast for another summer day. But I think this Packer defense is going to live up to the hype. I truly believe that. I think they have way too much talent. I think they are going to be absolute monsters. And I think we're gonna see it on full display for the first two weeks of the season when you play a Minnesota team who loves turning the ball over and a new coach in Kevin O'Connell who I think is going to struggle. Oh, by the way, Joe Barry was on on staff with Kevin O'Connell in Los Angeles, so Joe Barry probably knows what Kevin O'Connell is going to be doing. Then you have a Bears team who offensively doesn't make any sense right now. Kyle Brandt is like yearning for a new receiver every fucking week. I love Kyle. I would have Kyle on the podcast in a heartbeat, but I can't believe that like the Bears think they're a wide receiver away from being relevant. They aren't. Uh, it, it, even if the Bears did get Terry McLaurin or DK Metcalf, they are probably a 10 and 17. That's probably their ceiling. With that, it's a very Herb Cole-like move. Like why basically kick your entire draft picks and draft strategy and draft and develop out the door for a premier receiver, especially when you could potentially suck this year and draft Jackson smith Najibba. And if you do, I will probably have to go hide. Like that will be very scary. Like if Smith-Najiba comes to the, Chicago Bears I'm not going to be happy about it and I that just will not work we can't have that happen but anyways the Packer defense is going to show out in those first two games and then we'll see the real test against Tom Brady in week three and everybody will wonder hey are are the Packers are the Packers for real defensively and everything like that and I think you're going to see that on full display so I do think the Packer defense is is worth the hype. I think it will be a really big talking point come middle August. I think that everybody's gonna get on board with how good this defense can be and hopefully, knock on wood, that they stay healthy. That's basically my biggest fear with this defense is that they're not going to be able to stay healthy. I just worry about it more than I do on the offensive side of the ball. Number two, I think people are gonna start really selling themselves on the wide receiver group. I think that we are past the Devontae Adams' sort of missing Devontae and Devontae's impact and everything like that. I think that storyline has been beaten to death. Like I think that storyline is dead in the ground. So people will transition now to talk about how this is actually kind of a good wide receiver unit. I kind of did it yesterday. If you listen to yesterday's podcast and the case I made for Alan Lazard and I kind of started to say at the end of the podcast, like, look, they have a lot of guys here. Like they have a lot of bodies who could potentially contribute. Watson, Dobbs, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Sammy Watkins, like that, that. that's a lot of dudes. I think I mentioned Lazard, but if I didn't, Lazard also in that group. Like they, Juwan Winfrey is a guy that's been getting a ton of love as well. Like I definitely think they have enough guys there for Aaron Rodgers to produce and to be near his usual MVP levels. Third thing I think a lot of people will talk about is David Bakhtiari's health. David Bakhtiari is not necessarily a guarantee for training camp. Now everyone said that was the plan all along. Now Matt LaFleur is saying, well, he's optimistic, but he's not fully there yet and saying Bakhtiari is gonna be out there on the first day of training camp. I will tell you this right now, that will be a big topic. That actually might be the number one. Because if David Bakhtiari is not healthy, while the Packers, I think are deep at offensive line, and they can figure it out, and they'll have a whole training camp to figure out what combinations make the most sense for that team, that will be a big fucking deal because you gave this guy a ton of money, it made sense, and the fact that he still hasn't been able to figure out his ACL tear is one of those absolute what-ifs for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers' legacy. They didn't have his guy there. Now, Bakhtiari had an Instagram story think Monday where he was a video of him pancaking a guy he's like I can't wait to do this out on the field almost like hey guys don't worry about me so it could be that we're all overreacting right I was listening to David Griffin who is the Pelicans GM talk about Zion and he was saying how Zion didn't speak to media but his bones weren't basically healing the way that they wanted to and that because of those bones not healing Zion couldn't play Now, it could be entire lip service by Griffin, right? It could be just an absolute fucking lie. But Griffin basically explained, like, here's why we couldn't have him out there. And Zion didn't really want to talk to the media. Now, Bakhtiari wrote, like, a Players' Tribune essay in Cheesehead TV, or I think it was an interview, actually. Uh, But basically, Bakhtiari explained, like, I had a ton of fluid in my knee and everything like that. So maybe Bakhtiari does a check-in, whether it's with someone like a Ryan Rosillo, who he's been on his show before, or like an Aaron Nagler or somebody else. McAfee would be another obvious one where we can kind of get down to what's going on with Bakhtiari and why he didn't make it onto the field for any of the mini camp stuff. But I do think that health thing, if he isn't out there, game practice one for training camp, the alarms are going to go off. It is going to be a huge topic and kind of, Maybe not napalm the same way that Rodgers did, but it will be it will be a fire for sure. It will definitely be something where like, hey, the bush is on fire. You gotta try to put that out. Number four is the Jordan Love trade market. I think when you get bored in the summer, you start talking trades. You start talking, talking different ideas to help the roster. I do think there will be some that think Jordan Love could get traded before the season. I highly, highly doubt that. I think what's more likely and I've said this a couple times, but I think it'll be Jordan Love being basically traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, like now trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Basically the Jimmy Garoppolo situation and middle of the season some team who is pretty much out of it but could use a new quarterback says, "All right, we're going to go draft. We're going to go pick up Jordan Love instead of the guys we got." Atlanta is the obvious team. Now, would the Packers want to trade inside the NFC, I'm not sure. I don't think they would trade him to the Seahawks. Even though the Seahawks keep rebuking everybody but Drew Locke and Geno Smith, and they think they know better, which is classic Seahawks, by the way. It's the smartest guy in the room, unless they are really actually planning to tank, and they want CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, and they are hell-bent on getting them, and they know they're going to be a 3-13 and team and not be that successful. That, that's the only explanation. So yes, Jordan Love would probably make more sense in the AFC. The question is, where do you put him in the AFC? There's not a ton of room. They Tennessee maybe makes sense if you they aren't convinced about Malik Willis, but why would they want a quarterback in the middle of the season? Um, the North, yeah, maybe Baltimore, but again, they have Lamar, and if they weren't gonna do a long-term deal with Lamar, I don't know. The trade market's tough for Jordan Love. That's not the NFC because the NFC has definitely is a little more quarterback deficient than the AFC. So I don't know if there's going to be a true true spot for Jordan Love this season. But I do imagine, I do believe, if you know picks up and Atlanta's struggling and Atlanta looks at it and says, "All right, we're gonna at least get Jordan Love, see what we have here. If we still suck." We can then look and get a quarterback, whether it's Stroud, whether it's Bryce Young, uh, Will Levis is another guy that's been getting a lot of love. Uh, you know, one of those guys could end up being with our team and we'll be satisfied with that to basically start a new era of quarterbacks. It's definitely a gap year for the Falcons. Could be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Lastly, I think there will be conversations about how many defensive player of the year candidates are on the Green Bay Packers. To kind of wrap it up with defense again, I think there's a real shot that Rashawn Gary could win Defensive Player of the Year. I think Rashawn Gary is hell-bent on being the best defender on the Green Bay Packers next season. He was at OTAs yesterday. He was like the only veteran that was there. He just kept fucking working. And I know that's like meathead sports fan type shit. But I, I truly believe that Rashawn Gary is trying to become the best defensive player and maybe the best player on the field. Now I know that's kind of hard to do when you share a locker room with Aaron Rodgers, but I think Gary's trying to get to that level. I think Jair Alexander basically being a shadow for all the top receivers, and the Packers obviously play a tough schedule. If Jair thrives in that role, I think you're going to have to give Jair some consideration And I could really see a big blow-up year from Kenny Clark with the addition of Jaron Reed. I think Jaron Reed's going to free up a lot of stuff for Kenny Clark. You're gonna see some more sacks from Kenny Clark. You're gonna see more impact plays. I do think it's really hard for a defensive end, not named or defensive tackle, not named Aaron Donald to win this award. I just think it's it's difficult. It's much easier for an edge or a corner to win it. So I my money's more on the first two guys than the last guy, but I do think they have legitimately two or three defensive player of the year candidates. And you're like, Charlie, you are all in on this defense. You're absolutely right, I am. So let me know what you guys think. If you have, there's a storyline I missed, I'm happy to talk about it on the show tomorrow or uh, not tomorrow, Mitch and I are doing it, but on Friday or just on social media. Moving on to the Brewers, three takes and out. This is our sort of our Brewer recap uh, segment that we do after most Brewer games. I wouldn't say it's every Brewer game, but at the games where we're taping Monday through Friday uh, if, and if we're not doing tap in the keg. Number one, Brewers might only be good against bad teams. Now, this was my big fear going into the season. I I don't know if I would put this on a podcast. I think I did with Mitch, basically saying I worried about the Brewers playing in a weak division. Now, the division's not as weak as I thought it was. I thought the Cardinals would be an 82, 83 win team with, you know, adding Adam, bringing Adam Wayne right back, Molina, Pujols. I thought they were just trying to sell tickets. They're not. They're a very good team. They swept the Pirates in a doubleheader today. They've had three straight wins over the Pirates. Their lead in the NL Central keeps increasing on the Brewers. And they just have pitching completely out the ass. Like, Libitor, uh the kid, Plente, uh, they're going to probably get Jack Fla- I think Jack Flaherty's coming back on F- Wednesday. So And Steven Matz, I think, is back next week. Like, they... Have a legit and then Miles Nicholas, who had struggled for a couple games, kind of looked like the regression monster was coming, pitched really well in his last start, and then he pitched again tonight. He nearly throws a no hitter. So the Cardinals are obviously here to stay, but the Brewers are going to get fat against the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds. Reds are a little bit improved, they're starting to kind of figure their shit out, but still, the Brewers are going to have ample opportunities to get fat against those teams. And so because of that, the Brewers are probably going to find themselves in the wildcard hunt or at least in the division hunt. I think there's a real chance that the Brewer Cardinal division winner does not have a better record than the first or second wildcard team. I think that's a real possibility just given how good And how competitive I think the NL is. Um, We talked about that a little bit yesterday or the day prior because like this is a good National League. This National League is I think eight deep right now, and there are teams like the Marlins right where they're under 500, but I think they're competitive as hell. I think they fight every night. I think the Diamondbacks also under 500. I think fight. I think the Rockies are not easy um, by any means and they're also under 500. So like, it's not just the good teams. I think they're even the bad teams are not rollovers, but the Brewers continue to struggle against good teams. And if they can't be good teams, then I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know why we we should even care. And I know that sounds very Debbie Downer, that sounds very unlike me, but I just don't necessarily, have a lot of like faith that this is going to work out well. And usually I can talk myself into World Series runs and I can I can really be sort of optimistic, but it's hard for me to see that light. if you can't beat teams like the Mets, you're gonna face the Dodgers in August. Um, you know they have St. Louis for four next week. Like if they can't get it done against those teams, none of this matters. Now, they could just prove me wrong and shove it in my face and win the next two games against the Mets. And I'm singing a very different tune for the Friday show. That's entirely possible. That is entirely possible. But right now, watching this team lose yet again, they've lost 11 out of 13 games. They continually struggle against good teams. It's really hard for me to see the bright side. I am in a dark spot with the the Brewers and, I don't necessarily know if there's any way to get out. Second take, take away Adrian Hauser's first inning and you're really good. The Brewers have got to stop the big innings. They've had big inning problems recently. It's plagued them really during this losing streak because they have one inning where everything goes to shit. And if the Brewers could avoid that, things would be a lot better. Now, do they need offense to support it? Absolutely. Even if the, the Mets didn't have their three run first inning, the Brewers lose one nothing. okay, right? And and so it's irrelevant, but still one nothing feels a lot different than starting the game out 3-0. The Mets were up 3-0 before the Brewers had had their second at bats. Of course, that means that you're gonna have guys that are pressing, guys that are trying to get the Brewers back into the game, and it's never a good thing. And this has been the case really since the road trip started, and in Philadelphia as well, is there's is one big inning that seemingly haunts the team. That just cannot fucking happen going forward. The Brewers are built on pitching, they're built on defense, and they're not really doing much of that right now. So when that's off the rails, as well as you're not hitting the baseball, I, I don't, again, to that point in the the first take, like. I don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see that like, all right, this is getting better. This is starting to feel a little different. So last take, Willie Adamas, I don't know, just gotta be a little bit better. Like I know Willie Adamas has 11 home runs. I know Willie Adamas won the game for them really on Sunday. But Willie Adamas is hitting under the Mendoza line. Why isn't Willie Adamas getting the same sort of smoke that Christian Eilich is getting? I know you guys probably think I'm, again, beating a dead horse on the Yelich part, but Yelich gets all this criticism, but we don't criticize Willie Adams. Willie Adams is under 200 right now. Willie Adams is making contact two every ten, two times every 10 at-bats, basically. That's not good. That's really bad for a guy that's supposed to be a top producer for your team. A guy that right now is hitting second. Willie Adams is not a two-hitter right now. Willie Adams is more like a five or six hitter until he can get that average up. The homers don't mean shit. If Willie Adams is making content, making things difficult on base pads, a guy who can run a little bit, that's where we want Willie Adams. We don't necessarily need just Willie Adams launching home runs. It's feeling a little Carlos Gomez-y to me, where Carlos Gomez would get so focused on just hitting every ball out of the ballpark They forgot that he's a real menace on the base paths. And if you kind of have both, you have a perfect baseball player. That was Gomez. Gomez lost sight of that at times. Adamas can't lose sight of that. We need Adamas to start making more contact, getting on base with singles and doubles, occasional triple, whatever. And yeah, home runs are also sweet. So let's hope that they, they turn it around tonight with Corbin Burns on the mound. It's a big start for Corbin Burns. Simply put, I've had two rough starts. You need to show up in this one. We'll see if Burns can do it, and we'll see if the Brewers are able to get another victory. All right, let's finish off today's show with the Wisconsin Shotski. If you're unfamiliar with this segment, I get it. We have done it in a couple weeks. Basically, I take three topics that I don't think are that big of topics, but stuff I want to talk about. And some of it's sports-related, some of it's not. Um, some of it's Wisconsin sports-related, some of it's not. So it's a little. It's basically just you're pouring three shots in there and doing and doing them all together with your buddies. So the first one is how to survive the summer. So I mentioned this yesterday uh, when we were like, all right, this is gonna get hot. It was it's an absolute scorcher. Uh, really gonna be hot again the next two days. I know you're all wondering, Charlie, how you as a big man survive the summer heat. First of all, you have fans on all the time. All right, just deal with the AC bill. You keep yourself cold, whether it's a unit, whether it's a central air unit, uh, but you also have your fans going because your fans are crucial. They keep you from just sweating randomly. Also too, you're gonna have shower sweats, all right? as you're a big guy, you're working out, you're going, going to the gym, you'll come home, you'll be sweaty, and if you shower with heat, you will again, sweat until your life depends on it. And then at some point your body will cool down. But basically your body's too hot and you need to kind of relax. What I do and what I've learned kind of by trial and error is I run a coldish shower. I would say it's like kind of hot. I can't do like the full cold shower. I don't know, I'm too much of a pussy. Like I, I, I just must have a hot and cold thing. Cause I, I can't have like scalding hot showers but I also can't have freezing cold showers. So when I do this, probably more recommended to have cold showers, but I, I'm more of like a light heat um, for my shower. I also try to chug water if I if I know I'm like overheated just to sort of start balancing out my body a little bit to start get getting off the sweat train. And then I also try not to work out or do something extremely strenuous before I have to get ready for a big event. Because nothing's worse than, let's say, you're doing something out in the yard or you walk the dog and it's hot, and then you got to go do something with your wife and you put on, like, I don't know, a button up and you're sweating right through it. And it's just because of shower sweating, it's nothing else. Speaking of shirts and sweating, be careful about what you're wearing color wise. Make sure that you're mixing in the darks, especially if it's going to be a day drinking thing or you're out during the day. No one wants to fucking see your sweat. So if you really need to do and go black, I don't blame you. Um, Also, maybe something that is more a little bit moisture wicking, Uh, you know, any golf polo uh, that you have, that would be a great idea. Um, And don't be afraid to wear shorts. We talked about shorts at the bar a couple weeks ago. Like wear shorts, who gives a fuck? All right? Like I know some people are like, oh, shorts are childish, shorts, you know, don't get you laid, whatever it is. Dude, don't let shorts be the thing that doesn't get you laid. If some girl says that she will not sleep with you because of shorts, it's her fucking loss, all right? So that's my advice to you. So I think that you can survive summer pretty easily. I've done it for a while. Man of someone who's lived with very limited AC in my life, I summer does not scare me. Number two, uh, the U.S. Open schedule is an absolute disaster. So a lot of talk about the U.S. Open this week with the live golf stuff. I feel like the takes have been all over the place. I really don't understand why everybody thinks Brooks Kapka is going to the live because he was sort of like, can we stop talking about this? But it feels very Brooks-like, right? Brooks just wants to talk about the U.S. Open. Brooks doesn't want to talk about things that actually require, you know, maybe thoughtful answers. Now, does that mean that Brooks is jumping? I don't think so. It'd be a major, major fucking bummer if Brooks did. But I also saw Brooks have about a three to five million dollar wedding in Turks and Caicos on Instagram. So if he had to do that to support the wedding, I get it. I would probably blame Jenna Sims. I like Jenna Sims. I think she's a good follow on Instagram for a variety of reasons. Um and uh, you know, I, I still would blame her though if Brooks went to the Live. That would crush me. I would not feel good about Brooks going to the Live. So you have all that. And then on top of it, you, you ask the US Open to just be normal. You're like, hey, we have a lot going on. Lot of eyeballs, probably more. I think the ratings are gonna be huge this weekend for the US Open, especially if some of the Live golfers are involved with the leaderboard. If you have Patrick Reed, if you have DJ, if they're near the top on Saturday, I think it becomes a major story. Uh, But they have it all over the place. So if you look at their TV schedule, you have a couple hours on Peacock, you have a couple hours on USA, you have a couple hours on NBC, then you go back to Peacock. It's like snip, snap, snip, snap. It's like Michael Scott's vasectomy. You have no idea where the fucking US Open is on. I have no idea what I'm going to tell my dad. Usually I give my dad these like, guides that people put together. No Lane Up does a good job with it. Uh, the USGA themselves put together a calendar. I don't think I'm gonna send it to him. I think I'm just gonna text him and go, golf is all over the place. They did a really bad job with the TV. The good news is it's not on Golf Channel because he doesn't get the Golf Channel, which uh, that that's a story for another time. Like I have to, I need to tell the John Golf, Ch- the John golf Channel story uh, because it's one of those things where I've tried multiple times to make his life easier and he just doesn't do it. Maybe that'd be a good Father's Day story. I love the death. So I'm not trying to like bust his balls. I am busting his balls, but I'm not necessarily like criticizing him. It's just, I have fucking YouTube TV. I have Golf Channel. It's extremely easy for me to just set up YouTube TV on his computer so he could just watch it in the background or listen to it and have it going on his computer on another tab while he's working or while he's doing something in the house like have the game have it on and unfortunately he doesn't have a smart tv that has a youtube tv app and that to me is one of those crazy things and i've seen this with some other friends who don't have Bally as an app where it's like you have to have a fully functional app that does it all that's why i've i'm a really big roku supporter again not a sponsor but i do think roku does like such a good job. I have Roku on both my TVs in my house and I probably am going to be a Roku guy for life. That sidetracked the US Open. So anyways, what I will tell my dad is I will just be like, hey, it's on USA or NBC. Just flip back and forth. If it's not on NBC, it's on USA. And if it's not on either, it's on Peacock for like an hour or two hours. It's really confusing. I'm not even gonna try to send you something that where it breaks it all down because it's absolutely all over the place. That is basically how I'm gonna approach it. As somebody who's watching it uh, while they work on Thursday and Friday, it'll be fine. I won't won't sweat it too much. It's actually kind of easy. Again, same logic. If it's not USA, it's on NBC. I like that it's on USA over Golf Channel. I think that's a smart move. I do think actually, but going back to my dad's original point, this might be justification for my dad. And if it is, he, trust me, he will bring this up to me. He'll be like, "See, I told you, not everybody has Golf Channel, so that's why they're going to USA." He he will take a victory lap on this. I I promise you that he will. All right. Lastly, uh, the court at American Family Field for the basketball game. I'll probably do like a social thing on this too. Tab the keg on Tab in the Sports Instagram TikTok for that. But I just do not think this is gonna work. Like I look at that court and it looks so fucking small. Like, I don't really understand what they're doing here. Like, I get it that you have to preserve the grass. I understand the grass is important, but why wouldn't you lay down like a, some sort of like mat, right? And then have seats, like have stadium seating all around the actual hoop and then use, you know, the, the other, well, but then I think that blocks the actual state. I think this is gonna be a disaster. I just don't think this is gonna work that well. I think it is a cool idea. I get it. I was a little salty at first because Marquette didn't get involved and they didn't get invited and I was like, well, this is fucking stupid. But then now that I've seen everything and I've seen the concepts, I'm really glad Marquette's not involved because I think this could be a weird game and you're facing a Stanford team who's not bad, right? They're, they're decent enough. Like, what if you lose that game? You lose that game at Miller Park or the... The, will the committee remember that? Will the committee give a shit? I have no idea. I guess they're gonna play on aircraft carrier again. Like I understand, college basketball wants to do fun shit, but why wouldn't you if you're Wisconsin and you're Marquette and you're UWM? Why wouldn't you just do something like the Milwaukee Classic and you say, "All right, UWM." <sighs> trying to think of a, a good UWM plays St. Peter's right. So like a team that has some notoriety in the mid-major game, um, and UWM plays St. Peters, you have that game at noon. Then at four o'clock, you have Marquette playing one of their teams that's on their non-con. Let's just say Baylor, it's a bad example, but let's just roll with it. Marquette plays Baylor, and then your nightcap is Wisconsin playing Stanford. Now, I think the reason why they're not doing like a Milwaukee classic, if you will, is because of the arena. I think there is no way that the Wisconsin Bad the Marquette Golden Eagles would let the Badgers be sort of the first team in command. There is no way, no how. And the Badgers also don't want to be second in command to Marquette. So I think there is a lot of friction there. And people say, "Oh, it's not a rivalry. It's not a rivalry," which is fucking bullshit. We all know this, uh, but we love to pretend. And Badger fans love to make that claim it's fucking wrong it's been wrong since i've known about this rivalry it's not a rivalry for people out of the southeast wisconsin area but in milwaukee and the five counties it's a fucking rivalry okay i realize i the swears picked up there but i I get really passionate about that that's definitely a passionate take that i'm willing to die on but yes so i i don't know how they would have pulled it off otherwise i guess you could have done the mecca I know uh, UWM plays there, but I still think that would be a little bit better because then again, the Marquette Wisconsin stuff, neither team owns it. You could do the old Bucks uh, court for the game or, or something similar. I don't know. I just don't think this is going to work. I know people might say I'm a hater because I am not a Badger fan. It's also going to be really cold in there. They, unless they're working on the insulating, I don't know. I think it's a good idea but I just don't think the execution is going to be there. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, As I mentioned on the pod, uh, Mitch and I will be tomorrow. Uh, We're talking panic buttons. I'm excited for that. And I'm sure a few other topics that come to mind. Uh, We will then be back on the Daily Tap for Friday. We'll do properly rated, overrated, and underrated. Uh, Bring that back. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about the Brewer series that was against the Mets, and who knows what else. We'll also have finals results. So we'll see if the Warriors can get it done or if the Boston Celtics have forced a pivotal game seven. And maybe another segment I'm working on, especially if a certain guy is involved in game six of the NBA finals. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. Back tomorrow. See you. bye.